Welcome to Set Free 24-7. My name is Robert, and I am so glad that you're here. And Heidi, welcome. Well, hello. I'm super happy to be back. Happy Sunday, everybody. It is a happy Sunday. It is. Get so to go to our church this morning. We do. Shout out to City Church Greenville. <laughs> so we are reading through the Bible. It's in the Message Version. And now the Message Version Bible Reading Through a Year program actually only has you reading five days a week. See, it's not obtrusive. It doesn't pull you away from all sorts of other things. Mm -hmm. It's literally just five days a week. So we committed to Sunday through Thursday is when we're gonna be posting these. Mm -hmm. And we hope that you join along and are able to reflect on the other days, on the Friday and Saturday, just reflect on what we've read. And we may eventually start doing some reflections on those as we look back at what we read for the week. I like that idea. So. I do, I like that idea. Cause there's been a number of things that have just popped in my mind or I've re-listened to a couple of things. So if you're following along, we're gonna have all of the chapters and scripture that we're reading listed in the comments below if you would like to look up a verse maybe in your favorite translation or just see how something reads a little differently feel free to do that so we would absolutely love it so we are going to start today it's matthew chapter 3 verse 13 through 17 and that reads jesus then appeared arriving at the jordan river from the galilee he wanted john to baptize him john objected though he said, I'm the one who needs to be baptized, not you. But Jesus insisted, do it. God's work, putting things right all these centuries, is coming together right now in this baptism. So John did it. Now this is one of those pause things that Eugene Peterson has in here. He just said, put yourself in John the baptizer's position. You've devoted your life to clearing a path for God's Messiah. Suddenly, he shows up and asks you to baptize him. What do you think or say or do next? How do you even <laughs> begin to set up to baptize God himself? I know. I it's know. just so... It's backwards to our way of thinking. It makes no sense. And that's why I love Jesus. He didn't make sense. Mm. He was a mover and shaker and really blew some hair back with the way he did things yes. and what he taught. So that chapter ends saying, the moment Jesus came up out of the baptismal waters, the skies opened up and he saw God's spirit and it looked like a dove descending and landing on him. And along with the spirit, a voice that said, this is my son chosen and marked by my love, the delight of my life. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. All right, so now Heidi is gonna take care of the next couple readings here. We have Acts chapter four, verse one through 22. Right, let's get started on that. This is titled, Nothing to Hide. While Peter and John were addressing the people, the priests, the chief of the temple police, and some Sadducees came up, indignant that these upstart apostles were instructing the people and proclaiming that the resurrection from the dead had taken place in Jesus. They arrested them and threw them in jail until morning, for by now it was late in the evening. But many of those who listened had already believed the message, in round numbers about 5,000. We get so excited when like two or three people make that decision and that and that is reason to celebrate. Sure. I can't even wrap my head around 5,000 people. The next day, a meeting was called in Jerusalem. The rulers, religious leaders, religion scholars, Annas the chief priest, Caiaphas, John, Alexander, 
everybody who was anybody was there. I think we forget that. Like, the it people were there. Mm -hmm. They stood Peter and John in the middle of the room and grilled them. Who put you in charge here? What business do you have doing this? With that, Peter, full of the Holy Spirit, let loose. Rulers and leaders of the people, if we've been brought to trial today for helping a sick man, put under investigation regarding this healing, I'll be completely frank with you. We have nothing to hide. By the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the one you killed on the cross, the one God raised from the dead, by means of his name, this man stands before you healthy and whole. Jesus is the stone you masons threw out, which is now the cornerstone. Salvation comes no other way. No other name has been or will be given to us by which we can be saved, only this one. They could not take their eyes off them. Peter and John standing there so confident, so sure of themselves. That's the Holy Spirit gives you that. And, mm -hmm. just, and, and he gives us that. And I, I love absolutely it. love it. I love how they said he's letting loose with the Holy I Spirit. I know. And I'm like, oh, that's Peter. <laughs> Peter's a let looser. So their fascination deepened when they realized these two were laymen with no training in scripture or formal education. Mm, so pause right there real yeah, quick. I was so, going to. Yeah. So interesting. So their writings, I'm guessing, anything that these men may have written were written in was probably language. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. The I kind don't... of language that, you know, like factory workers would talk in, the kind of you know, you I don't think they said thee or thy or... They didn't? I don't think there How was any God... beseeching happening. How did God hear them if they I didn't don't say know. thee or thou? I mean... How does that work? Anyway, we digress. Here we go. They recognized them as companions of Jesus, mm. but with the man right before them, seeing him standing there so upright, so healed, what could they say against that? They sent them out of the room so they could work out a plan. They talked it over. What can we do with these men? By now it's known all over town that a miracle has occurred and that they are behind it. There is no way that we can refute it. But so that it doesn't go any further, let's silence them with threats so they won't dare to use Jesus' name ever again with anyone. Brilliant plan. Yeah. It sounds familiar, I'm not sure why. They called them back and warned them that they were on no account ever again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John spoke right back. Whether it's right in God's eyes to listen to you rather than to God, you decide. As for us, there's no question. We can't keep quiet about what we've seen and heard. Mm. The religious leaders renewed their threats, but then released them. They couldn't come up with a charge that would stick, that would keep them in jail. They sure tried hard to they find did. something. Yeah. The people wouldn't have stood for it. They were all praising God over what had happened. The man who had been miraculously healed was over 40 years old. So one of those pause moments, it just says here that Peter and John were quite bold in the face of severe intimidation from the religious authorities. What compels them to be so bold and why can't they keep quiet about what they've seen and heard? Hmm. I love that the Holy Spirit just allows that and it gives a confidence and a surety. And we're seeing what happens to the people coming up against it. They couldn't figure out what, what are I we know. gonna do with this? And 
we can't keep quiet about what we, I mean, it's we so, can't. we know it's the truth. We exactly. know what we've seen and it's amazing. And they were just compelled to share it mm -hmm. because of how amazing it was. Beautiful. What's the worst that could happen? Take their life on earth and guess where they get to go. So when you have that perspective, it makes it easier to be a little bold. So now we're in a journey back to the back Old Testament. Rewinding back. So Psalm number six, where Heidi's going to be starting. I'm at the bottom of my second cup of coffee. This is what <laughs> happened. So, all right, Psalm six. Please, God, no more yelling. No more trips to the woodshed. Treat me nice for a change. I'm so starved for affection. Mm. Can't you see I'm black and blue, beaten up badly in bones and soul? God, how long will it take for you to let up? Break in, God, and break up this fight. If you love me at all, get me out of here. I'm no good to you dead, am I? I can't sing to your choir if I'm buried in some tomb. I'm tired of all this, so tired. My bed has been floating 40 days and nights on the flood of my tears. My mattress is soaked, soggy with tears. Mm -hmm. The sockets of my eyes are black holes, nearly blind, I squint and grope. Get out of here, you devil's crew. At last, God has heard my sobs. My requests have all been granted and prayers are answered. Cowards, my enemies disappear. Disgraced, they turn tail and run. Wow, he's really expressing just the anguish that he was in in that moment he was in it deep but when your child dies because of your sin i would imagine that that would come with an awful lot of anguish how how do you live with that realization yeah your child didn't do anything wrong but you did that suffering yeah and now to end out the day, we're back in Genesis and we're reading through Genesis 15 through chapter 17. So after all these things, this word of God came to Abram in a vision. Don't be afraid, Abram. I'm your shield. Your reward will be grand. Abram said, God, master, what use are your gifts as long as I'm childless and Eliezer of Damascus is going to inherit everything? Abram continued, See, you've given me no children, and now a mere house servant is going to get it all. Then God's message came, Don't worry, he won't be your heir. A son from your body will be your heir. Then he took him outside and said, Look at the sky, count the stars. Can you do it? Count your descendants. You're going to have a big family, Abram. And he believed, he believed God. God declared him set right with God. God continued, I'm the same God who brought you from Ur of the Chaldees and gave you this land to own. Abram said, Master, God, how am I to know this, that it will all be mine? God said, Bring me a heifer, a goat, a ram, each three years old, and a dove and a young pigeon. He brought all these animals to him, split them down the middle, and laid the halves opposite each other. But he didn't split the birds. Vultures swooped down on the carcasses, but Abram scared them off. As the sun went down, a deep sleep overcame Abram, and then a sense of dread, dark and heavy. God said to Abram, Know this, your descendants will live as outsiders in a land not theirs. They'll be enslaved and beaten down for 400 years. 
Then I will punish their slave masters. Your offspring will march out of there loaded with plunder, but not you. You'll have a long and full life and die a good and peaceful death. Not until the fourth generation will your descendants return here. Sin is still a thriving business among the Amorites. When the sun was down and it was dark, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch moved between the split carcasses. That's when God made a covenant with Abram. I'm giving this land to your children from the Nile River in Egypt to the river Euphrates in Assyria, the country of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, Hittites, Perizzites, Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. I know I felt like I uh, made it through that little section pretty well. good. What stood out is the smoking fire pot mm -hmm. and the flaming torch that moved between mm -hmm. because what led his descendants out of Egypt. Absolutely. The flaming torch. And the clap pillar of mm -hmm. smoke. Yep. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Chapter 16. Sarai, Abram's wife, hadn't yet produced a child. She had an Egyptian maid named Hagar. Sarai said to Abram, God has not seen fit to let me have a child. Sleep with my maid. Maybe I can get a family from her. Abram agreed to do what Sarai said. Shocking. As a woman, I have some thoughts on this plan. <laughs> so Sarai, Abram's wife, took her Egyptian maid Hagar and gave her to her husband Abram as a wife. Abram had been living ten years in Canaan when this took place. He slept with Hagar and she got pregnant. When Hagar learned she was pregnant, she looked down on her mistress. Sarai told Abram, it's all your fault that I'm suffering this abuse. I put my maid in bed with you and the minute she knows she's pregnant, she treats me like I'm nothing. May God decide which of us is right. You decide, said Abram, your maid is your business. Sarai was abusive to Hagar and Hagar ran away. An angel of God found her beside a spring in the desert. It was the spring on the road to Shur. He said, Hagar, maid of Sarai, what are you doing here? She said, I'm running away from Sarai, my mistress. The angel of God said, go, go back to your mistress. Put up with her abuse. He continued, I'm going to give you a big family, children past counting. From this pregnancy, you'll get a son. Name him Ishmael, for God heard you and God answered you. He'll be a bucking bronco of a man, a real fighter, fighting and being fought. Always stirring up trouble, always at odds with his family. She answered God by name, praying to the God who spoke to her. You're the God who sees me. Yes, he saw me and then I saw him. That's how that desert spring got named God Alive Sees Me Spring. That spring is still there between Kadesh and Bered. Hagar gave Abram a son. Abram named him Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar gave him his son, Ishmael. Chapter 17 When Abram was 99 years old, God showed up and said to him, I am the strong God. Live entirely before me. Live to the hilt. I'll make a covenant between us and I'll give you a huge family. 
Overwhelmed, Abram fell flat on his face. Then God said to him, This is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. Your name will no longer be Abram, but Abraham, meaning that I'm making you the father of many nations. I'll make you a father of fathers. I'll make nations from you. Kings will issue from you. I'm establishing my covenant between me and you, a covenant that includes your descendants, a covenant that goes on and on and on, a covenant that commits me to be your God and the God of your descendants. I'm giving you and your descendants this land where you're now just camping. This whole country of Canaan, you will own this forever and I'll be their God. God continued to Abraham, and you, you will honor my covenant, you and your descendants, generation after generation. This is the covenant that you are to honor, the covenant that pulls in all of your descendants. Circumcise every male. Circumcise by cutting off the foreskin of the penis. It will be the sign of the covenant between us. Every male baby will be circumcised when he is eight days old, generation after generation. This includes houseborn slaves and slaves bought from outsiders who are not blood kin. Make sure that you circumcise both your own children and anyone brought in from the outside. That way my covenant will be cut into your body, a permanent mark of my permanent covenant. An uncircumcised male, one who has not had the foreskin of his penis cut off, will be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. God continued speaking to Abraham, And Sarai, your wife, don't call her Sarai any longer. Call her Sarah. I'll bless her. Yes, I will give you a son by her. Oh, how I will bless her. Nations will come from her, kings of nations will come from her. Abraham fell flat on his face, and then he laughed, thinking, Can a hundred-year-old man father a son? And can Sarah, at ninety years old, have a baby? Recovering, Abraham said to God, Oh, keep Ishmael alive and well before you. But God said, That's not what I mean. Your wife, Sarah, will have a baby, a son. Name him Isaac, which means laughter. I'll establish my covenant with him and his descendants, a covenant that lasts forever. And Ishmael, yes, I heard your prayer for him. I will also bless him. I'll make sure he has plenty of children, a huge family. He'll father 12 princes, I'll make him a great nation, but I'll establish my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah will give you about this time next year. God finished speaking with Abraham and left. Then Abraham took his son Ishmael and all of his servants, whether houseborn or purchased, every male in his household, and he circumcised them, cutting off their foreskins that very day, just as God had told him. Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised. His son Ishmael was 13 years old when he was circumcised. Abraham and Ishmael were circumcised the same day together with all of the servants of his household. 
Those born there and those purchased from outsiders, all of them were circumcised with him. And friends, that is the end of chapter 17, and that's the end of our Bible reading today. Thank you so much for joining along with us. Here we are right at the 20-minute mark or so again, so we hope that you've enjoyed this little break from the norm. Maybe you have us on in the background, maybe just enjoying a cup of coffee. Maybe you're on your way into church or just listening to this on your way into work. Wherever you're at, we appreciate you following along, listening. We love the comments that we've gotten so far. This is a brand new channel for us, so we really appreciate your support and encouragement. We really appreciate your help and support in that way as we grow this channel and just try to bring a little bit of positivity into the world with some positive messages. So on that note, I'm going to sign off. We will see you here tomorrow for day number seven. And remember, the Message Bible version goes through a five-day plan, so we have two days off. We will be posting our readings on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. So we will see you here tomorrow. Have a blessed day.